Ready or not, here I come. Hi, welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts made by care experienced children and young people in the UK. We are travelling across the UK talking to care leavers, experts and activists in the field of childcare who are fighting for better services, rights, equality and understanding. Okay, after another five hour drive on our Care to Listen podcasting mission, where are we today? Cheshire. Okay, and who are we seeing in Cheshire? Welcome Rachel Springford. Mother of three boys, care leader, consultant social worker for Frontline Social Worker Training Programme. She is from Merryside and recently appointed board member for the Every Child Leaving Care Matter strategy. Hi, do you <laughs> want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Rachel. Um, I'm 40 and I've got three boys. Um, I'm care experienced, so I came into care when I was five. Um, I lived in a number of different foster families all over the country. Um, I lived in some residentials. Um, I was asked to uh, move into a flat when I was 16. Um, So at 16, I was left on my own to my own devices. Um, I left school at 14 with no GCSEs because I thought I don't need them. And no one really bothered to have a conversation with me about why they're important. No one had really asked me about what I wanted to do in my future. So at 16, I was in my flat and I found it quite difficult. I'll be honest with you, quite lonely. Um, And I remember shouting at my social worker one day um, and I screamed in her face, you don't know what it feels like, so don't sit here and try and tell me. Um, And I was actually shocked by her response because her response back was, well, I don't, you're right, um, but you do. And imagine you being sat here in 20 years time doing my job and I never really thought about that at that point because then I went on to um, meet my husband and have my children Um, and I think I married him because um, I loved his family and they took me in um, and treated me like their own. Um, Sadly that relationship didn't work out but that's life Um, And then I had a number of different jobs, working in shops, working for a magazine. Um, And then at 30, I thought, do you know what? I remember Jackie, my old social worker, saying to me, you don't know how it feels, but um, you do. I remember you being sat in here in in 20 years' time. So I decided that I was going to go to college and find out what I needed to do to become a social worker. So they told me what I needed to do. So I did my maths and English first, did my access course, Applied to my unis, I applied at five, got five uni offers, went on to uni, got my degree and then I said at uni, do you know what, I want to work in the local authority that actually were my corporate parent. So I applied for a job there, I got the job, still couldn't believe it, working in the Locked After Children's team which is where really my life began. Um, And then from then on um, I've sort of progressed through my career and now I'm a consultant social worker. So that means that I work in conjunction with Frontline and I train up fast graduates on a training programme in a year um, to be social workers and I actually use my experiences of the care system to be able to influence and shape their practice so that I know that they've got my values and my beliefs when they're going on to teams as social workers in the second year. Um, Would you like to tell us what you found most challenging about living in care? 
I think for me, um, it's what I found most challenging is other people making decisions about me, and I felt like um, that I wasn't asked about what I wanted. Um, I found it quite challenging living with people that I wouldn't particularly want to live with in the residentials because obviously I lived in three, then I had to live in the YWCA. And I think that's quite difficult because when you're born into your family, they're your family and you're used to living with them, aren't you? So when you have to live in resi, you're living with people that you wouldn't necessarily choose to live with. So I, I found that quite difficult, to be honest with you. Um, How did you feel when you were changing schools all the time? Oh, I hated it. I actually went to um, six six schools, I think, in total. Um, I found that quite difficult because what I used to do is make friends and then they'd move me on. And what I've found as an adult is all my school friends from high school, they are still long-term friends with their friends because they went to primary school with them and they've got really close relationships. And I'm quite envious of that because... I only obviously went to school, you know, um, my last high school when I was 14 and I left within that year. So I didn't really make any relationships with people. So that's something that I think as part of the curse system, when you moved on to schools and schools, you, you get to form those relationships, but then they're sort of severed really because you're having to move on. And I think that's quite difficult. Yeah. Would you like to tell us about private school? Wow, that was an experience. Yeah, so... I remember vividly, I used to have elocution lessons and they said that I was a sloucher. So what the teacher did, she was horrible. She was like Mrs Trunchbull. And she put a, she put a brush down the back of my chair so that I had to make sure that my spine was against the brush. And then because they said I slouched so much with my shoulders, they made me put a book on my head and walk in a straight line and I've dropped it about 50 times but everyone thought it was really funny you know they used to be giggle because I was a bit of a rebel as you can imagine and I also remember because obviously I came from a working class background they were very middle class I lived in a mansion um my foster dad had a tractor that cut the grass so you can imagine he sat on it that we had acres of land I had horses everything it was a beautiful home um but we ha I had a we had a maid Mrs C she was called she was an elderly lady and she was lovely but I remember um I was 12 and my foster mum had been to Marks and Spencer's because he bought everything from Marks and Spencer's and she bought me Minnie Mouse briefs and Minnie Mouse crop tops and I was 12 and Mrs C used to iron me knickers and place them out on me bed honestly and I was just like what the hell like they tried to make me into this little girl and I wasn't this little girl because I was being a going into a teenager anyway I remember because we lived in this really old house this is hilarious what I'm going to tell you and I'm going off on a tangent now but it's so funny we lived in this really old like mansion and I remember this hearing this scratching in my bed I had a really posh bedroom all Laura Ashley my own sink in it everything gorgeous all matching I remember hearing this scratching and I thought, what the hell? And I had a heated blanket in my bed. Anyway, next minute, there was a bloody mouse in my bed. <laughs> right? I'm not joking. And I was that frightened. It was like, you know, fight or flight. Well, I froze, didn't I? Because I couldn't move. And the mouse come up me nighty. And I grabbed it here in front of my chest. But I squoze it that tight. I had to take my nighty off. So I was screaming. I had nothing on. So I was screaming at the door. My foster dad come. He was like, oh, not wanting to look at me. 
and he went to me, you've killed the mouse. I said, I've killed the mouse, what about me? I'm traumatised, the mouse has just been glamming up my bed. But they were more bothered that I killed the mouse than, than, than I was traumatised. So, yeah, that was... And then, obviously, there was the experience where I used to go down smoking his Hamlet cigars and getting blazzed on his whiskey. Oh, yeah, lots of tales to tell. Funny. <laughs> uh, you said at 16 you left foster care. Uh, how did you feel after, like when you were living on your own? How did you provide for yourself? Well, for me, I was determined to always work. Um, I didn't want to claim benefits, and that's not because I'm saying that benefits are bad, but I just wanted to be able to work and get experience. So <laughs> it was a really funny story. I actually went and got a job in a makeup factory. Do you remember the do you remember the little lipsticks like like the tiny tiny my six? I used to have to sit on a machine and put the tiny little lipsticks into that the testers into that it was painstaking and I got like peanuts for it. But I actually loved it because the women all like mothered me and they used to like bring me my tea in for the next day because they knew I lived on my own. So it was more of like that social side of yeah. it that I really love because I was lonely living on my own in the flat that was like my social sort of experience and like me feet having those relationships with people um so what I will say in terms of how did I find living on my own lonely I found it lonely um and I think the only form of contact that I had really was with my, with my personal assistant or going to work so I think that's what kept me in work was because I got that sort of sense of belonging to to yeah. my colleagues. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give children who are 16 and want to leave care? Um, I would want to make sure that you um, have good relationships with people, even if, um, you know, it's okay for you to have relationships with your families. I think relationships are key um, to, to surviving in life, really. Yeah. Um, I would say you need to make sure that um, you've you've learned your independent living skills as well and things because I think that's really important that you've you've learned all those skills. But I suppose the best advice would be um, to know that there are people out there that care about you and to make sure that you know um, you keep yourself safe and that you you you're making sure that you you know you've got those relationships with people that are going to help you moving on into adulthood. Yeah. Um, as a social worker, what changes do you see in the system from like when you were in care to now? I mean, the biggest one, I suppose, is the Leaving Care Act, because for me, I left care before the Leaving Care Act came into place. So my experience of care was social workers were told to stop looking after me at 16, because that, that is what the law told social workers to do. Um, and what the law tells social workers to do now is actually it needs to be 18. Um, I think that's a positive I think there's more um, there's more that can be done in terms of legislation. I think my own personal view and lots of other people's views are that actually 18 is far too young. As a corporate parent, which is what a social worker is to um, a child in care, and I think that that age needs to be lifted high I suppose because when you have your own children at 18 we don't say okay we're not gonna we're gonna stop being your parent now so that's it off you pop on your own little way um so I suppose that is the biggest change for me in terms of where I was at in terms of now that 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 has been a shift um 
and I suppose um, in terms of training as well, I think that training is, is getting better and I think that there's more understanding around um, adverse childhood experience and trauma. I think that is getting better and I think back then when I was looked after, that wasn't really something that was talked about. Um, so, yeah. Do you think the care system has changed? I think it's changed in terms of bureaucracy and um, in terms of paperwork and accountability. Um, that is a massive um, shift. Um, and I think because, you know, there's been lots of cuts to children's services. And I know that because I work there. So and I think that is a very, very difficult um, things for social workers to have so yeah and however I do see changes for the better as well um, in terms of you know what I've already ta talked about in terms of the training um, in terms of social workers having a better understanding in terms of there's lots of groups out there now that are um, you know putting care experience at the front people at the front of you know, policy and practice and trying to shape that for the future. So I think things are getting better. And I think that people um, that have been in care are are seen more now as, as experts by their own experience um, and are given the, the re you know, the recognition. Yeah. Um, I do think that is getting better. Was there anyone in particular who stood out for you and helped you change, like... Yeah, I mean, definitely, because I talked about my social worker at the beginning, didn't I, Jackie? Um, I actually honestly don't believe I would have even thought about being a social worker if she hadn't planted that seed um, in my head. And I think that's why it's really important that um, professionals think about, you know, what they're saying to young people, because you will hold on, and we hold on, and as I did, to certain parts of, of conversations that you have. And then when people are ready, you know, they may want to, to, to remember that conversation and do something about it. So I actually um, acknowledged, gave her acknowledgement in my dissertation as well. Um, because obviously, you know, and I, I think I said something along the lines of, Jackie, I never forgot that conversation that I had. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done what I've done today. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, what are the biggest challenges that children face today in care yeah in the care system um yeah um lots um i think i think the narrative when i say the narrative i mean like the language that is used i think it's very negative um still and i think that was back then when i was in care but still now and i think that is difficult because you almost see that, and I can't speak for everybody else, but for, for me, it's like a black cloud. You know, you hear in the news, children incur a disadvantaged, you know, the, in terms of the statistics around us. Um, so I think that that is something that needs to get better, and that's something that's, that's quite difficult and needs to change drastically, really. But yeah. it needs to come from some you know from the top and, and obviously work its way down so that needs to be starting from you know from the government in terms of their expectations of you know um of, of people in care because i do think we get a, a raw deal out of it really yeah um what are the difficulties that social workers families and children suffer from today like in the care system um i think 
professionals, so social workers, I think the lack of understanding of the difficulties that families face. I wouldn't even say within the family. I'm thinking wider. For example, poverty is a massive issue. And I think if you, as a social worker, have come from a very privileged background, you know, then that's difficult for you to try and even imagine how disadvantaged a family are, not even with the issues that are going on in the family. It's a wider issue, you know, in terms of the poverty, for example, universal credit, you know, the delay in that. That all puts massive pressures on families before then you even start looking at what's happening in that family home for that family, you know, and I think that's very difficult for professionals to understand. So depending on your own experience growing up, I think can have a negative impact on a family that is open to children's services and I think that needs to get better and I think the way that that could get better is people being mindful of their own social graces we call them in frontline and how they're actually influencing that family when they're working with them because they may be different experiences and sometimes that can have a negative impact on that family yeah um what would you say are the like children in the care system like what message would that be for them yeah i think i would say to them believe in yourself because even though things are hard for you they may be hard for you now and you feel that being in care is a negative use that to your advantage and actually um that can help you in life um, change things for other people in other situations because of your experiences. So definitely believe in yourself. Work hard at school um, and make sure that you have people around you to support you and that you have good relationships because they're the people that are going to help you in life as you, as you turn into an adult. If you had to send a message to younger you, what would it be? Keep fighting keep fighting because everything will be okay and I actually thought at one point things weren't going to be okay so if I if I think back then I would say to myself keep fighting Rachel because you will be okay. Uh, you must have some funny stories from your time in residential do you want to tell us some of them? <laughs> yeah I'll tell you a funny story so when I was probably when I was 14 um, I liked I liked dance music um, and I liked the pubs and club scene. So I decided one night that I was going to go out. So I made a, um, a dummy of me and my bed because the staff would always come and check on me at 10 o'clock. So I sort of laid out in the bed a body shape for me. Um, I climbed out of my window. For everyone that's listening to this, do not do this. I threw my high heels over the hedge and I shimmied down the cast iron drain pipe. And I told the girl in the back room who had the fire exit room that at two o'clock I'd be knocking on the door in to let me in. But that went quite wrong because what that person did was told on me and I was sipping half a lager in a pub in town, dancing away to my mates, having a good time. (laughs) And a member of staff knew a bouncer on the door. So this member of staff had had a conversation with this bouncer. So they came in stopped the music in a pub, busy pub, turned the lights on and he came straight over to me, snatched the half a lager and said, get out. (laughs) 
and I was absolutely mortified. But I tell you what, it stopped me going out. I never went to town again after that till I was 18. <laughs> Can you tell us about every child leaving care matters? Yes, I can. So um, on Twitter, that's hashtag ECLN. Um, and that's um, a strategy um, that a group of um, people have um, a board. Some people on that board are care experienced. And only yesterday, um, I was asked to um, be part of that board. Um, and what that strategy looks at is um, an, um, a project called Staying Close. So Staying Put is obviously um, an initiative that um, governments have looked at in terms of children in care staying with the foster carers um, for a longer period of time after they reach 18. Um, so ECLM said, well, what about children that live in Resi? What is there for them? So the Staying Close project is about, is about um, looking at children in residential, having an opportunity to have links to the um, residential um, homes and making sure, you know, once they go into independent living, that they can still have those links back. Um, it's something that um, ECLM feels strongly about, as I do, and that's something that we hope moving forward that we're able to um, consult with the DFE um, to have a look at terms at looking at policy um, and changing that for the future um, for care experienced children that live in residential. So I'm really proud that I've been asked to be a board member um, and that's something that I will um, be part of moving forward. It was lovely to meet you, Rachel. Uh, I'd like to wish you all the best for the future from everyone at Five Rivers. And I'd like to wish you all the best as well and good luck with your, um, with your future. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Five Rivers Care Telesim podcast. This podcast has been produced by the members of the Democratic Group, representing the views of people from Five Rivers Childcare Limited. Music by Rick Flow, track Hide and Seek, courtesy of Rick Flow.